I thought they were taking care of us. I thought they were loyal to me. I thought I mattered. These are all words we use for family. Those are not words that we use with businesses that are having to make tough calls. A business is not our parent. A business is a business. Welcome, my friends. I am thrilled to share my latest conversation with the amazing, talented, and powerful performance coach, Ben Kiker. Ben is a regular on this show because, first of all, I love him and have known him for millions of years. But he's also a regular on this show because every single time we talk, he casually drops a few statements that not at all casually blow our minds. And today, Ben and I are talking about leadership, specifically brave and resilient leadership. The past several years have been challenging for everyone and leaders are no exception. So many of my clients right now are struggling to keep their teams motivated, connected, and joyful, even with you know burnout lurking behind every corner. So this conversation is my attempt to shed light on strategies that can help leaders lead during this time of kind of energetic and almost spiritual dryness that so many of us are feeling. It's the kind of dryness that just comes from too many crises or quote unquote, the perma crisis we seem to find ourselves in. Ben's words are like an oasis in what can feel like a desert. And my hope is that you are nourished by this conversation and that you get what you need to keep going and keep leading. You can find Ben on Instagram and LinkedIn at Ben Kiker and on his website, thebenkikergroup.com. Let's jump in. Let's take a couple of minutes. Okay. I'm just going to invite you to either close your eyes or divert your gaze to the floor, feet flat on the ground, nice and grounded, really feeling the connection to the space that you're in. And let's just begin by taking two or three really nice, deep, full clearing breaths. And as our breathing returns to a normal state, what a gift those clearing breaths are a signal to our body that I'm here. I know you're there. And I know I've been in my head, but I'm going to take a moment now and really drop into you and really begin to become reintegrated heart, mind, body, soul, spirit. Because it's so easy today to become very disintegrated. And we can remind ourselves that this two or three minutes that we're taking right now to simply pause, to pull up, and to create space is one of the most helpful self-renewal, self-replenishment practices that we can take at any time of the day or night. In a moment, we'll have a period of silent reflection. And I'd like to share something from one of my 
meditation readings this morning that feels incredibly on point for our discussion today. We no longer have time to waste. All of us can begin to have a deeper appreciation of each day and of the people we love. We can approach each day with greater zest and a deeper sense of meaning. Today, I treat time and people as precious. We'll have our period of silent reflection now, and then you'll hear the chime, and then we'll begin. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Ben Pecker. (laughs) I was using my silent reflection to just feel so much gratitude for you, Ben. Thank you for grounding us in that. That felt... welcome. It felt needed and necessary because it was a harried kind of morning. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. And isn't, and just again, isn't it a powerful reminder to know that we can do that at any point during the day? We can pause and pull up. We don't need a special room, special equipment, special things. We can just simply take that moment and pause. It also helps to have your voice, your baritone, gorgeous Ben voice. (laughs) Like that also helps. But I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And actually, it's such a great grounding for this conversation because the thing that I wanted to get together and have a chat and do our thing about was it feels as though we're in this moment. And this podcast really is for leaders and their teams who have just come through the eye of the needle, right? Mm. It's been such a wild ride these past couple of years. We went pandemic, we went layoffs, we went through the weird part of the pandemic where people were hiring like crazy. Like at first we laid people off because we're like, oh shit, it's pandemic. And then it was like, I can't build my team fast enough. And then before we knew it, there was an interest rate moment and a weird recession moment and a whole nother layoff situations, bank failings. It's been fucking weird, right? For three years let's call it. It's been weird. And what I've been hearing and observing and noticing from a lot of clients is it feels as though it's a house of mirrors. One day you wake up and it's austerity and we got to do deep cuts and we got to hit these big numbers despite the deep cuts. And then the next minute it's like, but it's also gangbusters. And it's, I think people feel frazzled. Leaders are like, how do I keep my team motivated in this house of goddamn mirrors that we're in? And I wanted you and I to just talk about that and riff because you do such beautiful work with leadership teams and with companies around really doing what it takes to go hard to the hoop, as you say, but doing it in a way that is additive, nurturing, and powerful. 
I love your phrase. It's been weird. It has been weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah. And it's going to continue to be weird yeah. because we're in the middle of a massive from two shift and we don't know where we're going yet. And by the way, no one knows where we're going yet. And the middle is always messy. And so it feels weird. It feels uncomfortable. As you were rattling off all the things that you rattled off, I realized all of those represent shocks. Mm. We've had an economic shock. We've had a geopolitical shock last year with Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the downstream effect of that. We've had political shocks here in the U.S. We've had, of course, the shock of the pandemic. And, and now the shock of AI. Like throw and now that the shock, shit into the And mix. now the shock of AI. I was just looking before we hopped on the air at the list of top 10 articles that McKinsey readers. So McKinsey, of course, the storied consulting firm, publishes a lot of great insight and information. Of the top 10 articles from Q1 that leaders have been reading, five of the 10 connect to AI, FYI. So there's shock of AI. So I want to go back to, so with the context of all of those shocks, I want to go back to the very first time that I came on your show, which was in 2018. Can you believe that? Five years ago. That's crazy. And I was listening to the episode while Rocket and I were out on a walk. And the episode was titled, Let Go or Be Dragged. Ben Kiker Sets Me Straight. That's right. Remember that? I remember it vividly. And there's a moment when I said to you, Bronwyn, you and I are in the transformation business. People don't reach out to you. Leaders, organizations don't reach out to you or me for just incremental change. They reach out for transformative change. They are looking to make a profound shift that can lead to lasting change. That's the essence of what a transformation is. Yeah. And so I think of all the shocks that we've experienced since you and I recorded that episode. Mm -hmm. So my wish for today Mm. is for leaders who are in the middle of a transformation in their business or leaders who are about to begin a transformation in their business, that this conversation, what you and I do, it yields interesting maybe practices Mm -hmm. or maybe just ideas for someone to marinate on and hopefully a little bit of inspiration along the way. Because we can't, with all of these shocks, we can't stand still. No. We have to continue to engage in meaningful transformation. I agree. And I think it's interesting when I think about the mix of human beings that make up a company, right? Like all of the humans that are in an organization, each of us has a relationship or a pattern of behavior that gets triggered when there's shocks or changes. My husband is one of those like deeply Capricorn, linear, hyper-functioning type A worker bees. And when there is a shock, it's like, whoa. And then he figures out where North is and he gets back to work. When I experience a shock, I'm like, well, it's the latest one because I was raised in so much chaos. And I think that's also interesting. How do you relate to change, Ben? What's your vibe with change? Similar to you, I was raised in a little bit of chaos as well. There was a lot of love, but there was a lot of chaos. So I tend to have a, I don't think the right way to describe this, 
there probably is a little bit of a spike at the beginning of change. There probably is a little bit of the, oh shit, what are we going to do moment? Yeah. But then I very quickly begin to access all of my internal strengths and resources. Yes. Start looking at, okay, what's the attitude that I want to bring to the situation? Yes. The actions that I want to take right now to, again, keep the ball moving down the field. Okay, wait, now let's back up again because you're starting to get into the Ben Kiker. The Ben Kiker way. Yeah, (laughs) the Ben Kiker canon. That's the word I was looking for. That sounds even better than the Ben Kiker. It's like vaguely religious. It's vaguely, yeah. yeah. And I know that you love to think in terms of threes. When you guide people through big transformation and spikes that are caused by these shocks, Tell me how you frame that in your mind. Sure. Well, first is to begin with just a level of acceptance of reality as it is today. So 98% of the time when a client reaches out for what I term in the moment coaching. Mm. So when something pops up in between a regularly scheduled coaching call, it is because they are attempting to wrestle with something and they are not in acceptance of the way that it is today. So this goes back to what I said at the beginning. We're at the acceptance of we're in the middle of a major from two shift. We don't know where we're going yet or where it's going to end up. And by the way, nobody knows where it's going to end up. So be an acceptance of that and be an acceptance of the fact that it is just the middle is always messy, as I mentioned Mm -hmm. before. Because if you can ground yourself in acceptance of the situation as it is today, then you have the ability to determine what attitude do I want to bring to the game? And what action do I want to take? So I want to ask you about acceptance because I think a lot of the folks, because I worked with people during their transition of communicating difficult news during that last blip in job losses and all of that difficult stuff. And there's this moment that happens when a company has to do what it has to do. Companies are not families. They are not for profits. I mean, even nonprofits have to make tough calls. But I think there is this moment where there's resistance to making difficult choices because it feels against the identity of the organization. We're humans and we work hard to create this beautiful culture. And when we have to let people go, there's this feeling of we're betraying ideals. We're betraying our identity and there's grief there. Like when you work with people who are struggling with accepting, do you find that too? because we're human and because we think in terms of tribe and family, that sometimes we mistake identity for just doing what needs to be done in the business. Like talk to that for a second. I mean, you've been C-level executive in several companies. Like you've been there, you've sat in that chair. And this is the fifth major economic shock of my career so far. And mine too, because we're almost the same age. So thank you for that. We, <laughs> you're welcome. But I'm going to come back to that in a moment okay. and what the responsibility is of leaders that have that experience is. Look, let me just net it out. It is not fun for anyone to have the discussions around reducing a company's headcount, reducing a discretionary spend. Let's face it, up and to the right, expansion. That's just a lot more fun. I mean, oh, yeah. who doesn't want to live in that world, right? Yeah. yeah. But you and I have talked about this concept of expansion and contraction before in other settings. 
So let's bring it into the business world for a moment that contractions follow expansions. Yes. And we are having a contraction now. And that's just a part of the business cycle. And they're not fun. I'd much rather be living and working and having conversations with clients about yeah. economic expansion. But yes. that's not the world that we're living in right now. But also, I think what's tricky too, Ben, that we don't talk about enough is that while expansion is more fun, it's also really freaking stressful. And a lot sure. of people burn out during the good times. So then when the necessary, normal, predictable, practically, like, you know, every eight to 10 years, there's a downturn, at least historically there's been, we know contraction is coming, but by the time we get to contraction, we're so fucking burned out. We're like, wait, what? Now I got to do this. (laughs) I don't want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. I don't want to do anything. All right. I had a call recently with a client, an entrepreneur, also a good friend, Steve Wolt. Steve recently went through something that a lot of entrepreneurs are going through right now. He shut down a business. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I actually gave him a heads up that you and I were going to be sitting down today because he's listened to other recordings that we've done. And he said something really interesting. He said, you know, Ben, this is an extraordinary moment for brave leadership. Oof. And I loved that line because the work that I'm doing with leaders and teams right now is around how they want to show up and how they want to be in this moment in time. So to a leader who is listening to this podcast, my question would be, how do you want to show up right now? And if you agree with the statement that I just shared, that this is an extraordinary time for brave leadership, then define what does brave leadership mean for you? That's right. And how does it authentically show up in you? It's so funny that you say this because I literally gave a keynote a couple months ago where I was asking people that exact question, how do you want to show up? Which actually leads to the second piece of your Ben Kiker canon. Number one is acceptance. Number two also starts with an A. Talk about the second A. Well, which is attitude. And what attitude do I want to bring to the game? What I've coached leaders to do is to, and this gets into a little bit of vulnerability, is to be vulnerable with their teams and say, look, acknowledge, again, we are in a period of economic uncertainty. There is a lot that we don't know that I don't know. And I and the leadership team, we're going to be making some decisions. I hope all of them are going to be good. Some of them probably are not going to be good. But watch and learn what we do, because one day you are going to be in this chair. One day you will be at a point in your career where you're going to be leading a team through a period of economic uncertainty. So one, share your own discomfort in your own uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen and also encourage people, but you're going to be here one day too. You're going to be here one day too, right? So model that for them. That is huge, Ben. Let me tell you something. Number one, I've never heard anybody say that before. Number one. Can I give myself a bell for that? Yeah, give please. Oh, you guys, when the bell (laughs) happens. There's that ego that's had a lifetime of employment. Baby, that that ain't ego. That is celebrating a job well done because there's two things I love about asking people to watch and learn because soon they'll be in that chair. There comes a time, you know, a lot of people are cresting out of that. I just laid people off vibe. But there's always this moment where during 
restructuring, layoffs, whatever the hell you want to call it, there's this weird vibe that happens and it becomes like parent-child. I have seen it over and over again where an employee base will use language like, I thought they were taking care of us. I thought they were loyal to me. I thought I mattered. These are all words we use for family or romantic partnership or deep friendships. Those are not words that we use with businesses that are having to make tough calls. A business is not our parent. A business is a business. And it is loyal to us in that the really good companies are loyal to their people aren't loyal by keeping the headcount too high and driving the business into the ground. They're loyal by helping them find other gigs. They're loyal by amplifying these people's LinkedIn profiles that get laid off. And when you tell people, if the people that remain, hey, watch because soon you'll be in this position, you're reminding them that we are all adults moving through this maturation process as leaders. Speak to that for a second. So I'm going to share two questions that every CEO and leadership team that I've worked with over the course of this year that has had to make some tough decisions that I encourage them to spend time marinating on. Question number one is one year from now, what do you and the leadership team want to remember about this moment in time? A moment when you had to make some very tough decisions. That's question number one. Question number two, 20 years from now, when the most junior member of your team, of your organization, maybe someone that you have never met and maybe never will meet, when they are in a leadership role and they remember this moment and they're facing a tough decision, what do you want them to remember about it? God damn, that is so good. And the reason why I share that is because the first economic shock that I experienced was the recession that came as a result of the first Gulf War. And I'll now let people do the math and remember when that was and start to put my age together. Was that the failing savings and loans moment? Well, that had happened just before. Okay, got it. So that didn't help. And then all of a sudden, everything froze when the first Gulf War began. So I had accepted- That was Norman Schwarzkopf. Correct. So we're talking late 80s or it's actually 91. So I had literally just arrived in the Bay Area and accepted my first marketing role for a company here. And in a way, kind of fortunate timing, because by the time I got here, all hiring had been frozen in the company. So I literally just skated into town and then business began to evaporate. And the company had a very tough decision to make. Do we lay off a big portion of the company, or do we go to a four-day work week, which essentially means everyone's salary is being cut by 20%. And the leadership team made the decision to take the second route, cutting everybody to a four-day work week to save 20%. And it turned out to be the right decision because within a year, business began to rebound. And so a lot of the talent that we needed to take advantage of growing business was still there. So I still look back at that moment in time when I was that early, just starting, just getting going in my career, watching leaders wrestle with this decision, the decision that they made, the way that they communicated it, the other ways that they surrounded to support employees 
and I remember that is they did it right. They did it right. Yeah, yeah. So I share that story because if you're a leader today, you want them to go, man, you know what, man, that first gig I had and this economic thing happened and it was early 2023 and it was crazy and interest rates and all this stuff. And it was, man, we had a big, but you know what? We did it well. We yeah. did it well. We did yeah. it well. We did it well. I love that story. I love that example. And you realize that these things really are cyclical and they come and go, but let's cut to today, right? It's a few months later, and this will obviously air later than right now today, but the restructuring has already happened. The grief has been processed. The loss has been processed. And now it's back to execution and back to hitting big numbers. How might leaders keep teams motivated and keep the eye on the ball and reinvigorate and rebuild culture? All right. I got a couple of ideas and I know you've got some too, but let me start with one that is so critical. So in the middle of the year, Mm -hmm. be very clear, be very clear as a leadership team on what it will take to put an exclamation point on 2023. And don't say, well, just hitting the plan that we established at the beginning of the year, because if you have eliminated people in the business or you've done some restructuring, that's not going to cut it. So be very clear with the team and lock arms that these are the three or four, maybe five big rocks. These are the things that are the most critical that when we as a team achieve these by the end of the year, it will not only help us feel good about this tough year, but it will give us the momentum going into 2024. Every leadership team should be having that conversation right now. And just so we're clear, that is a conversation you facilitate quite often. Am I right, Ben? All the time. Because think about yeah. it, the plans that, that companies built last fall to start assuming their fiscal year is a, is a calendar year to start Jan 1 of this year, because of all these shocks that we've mentioned, those plans are already out of date. So companies have to go back and look and come back to what is critical to get done. And again, just punctuate this, there really are only a handful of things that an organization truly needs to do in order to wrap up the year in a big way and have that momentum going into 2024. I love that. You know, I want to add to that with something counterintuitive that I think adds some dimensionality and balance to what you're saying too, which is I've been doing a lot of investigation into the importance of play. Yes. And I'm still trying to get my arms around the research, but there's been a tremendous amount of research around just how dangerous it is for creatures, animal and human, to be deprived of play. It causes animals and humans both to have reduced cognition, reduced ability to survive, to spot opportunities. And what worries me about the contracted nature of the past few years is that we have been living like in a psychological bunker between masks or COVID or political discourse in this country, wars, the doom scrolling, everybody predicting that AI is going to destroy all things. We have been in a hiding place and our quote unquote play, the thing that we think is play as humans is like Netflix, scrolling TikTok, we're losing our capacity to recharge our batteries with just literally playing. And I want to fold into the hearts and minds of leadership and teams that 
those team gatherings that seem so lame and so unnecessary and like, why the hell do we have to go to the Denina for the offsite? There's got to be opportunities for play still because no. it's where we get creative. No, no, no. You're spot on. Of the probably a dozen leadership retreats and offsites that I've facilitated over the last, let's call it 18 months since those things really started coming back and, and playing a big way. I've been very mindful of and of inserting opportunities to play and to also, Bronwyn, to just simply be. I did a leadership retreat for a client earlier this year with 24 leaders who had never been in the same room in person at the same time. So they had all come into these leadership roles during sort of COVID lockdown, coming out of lockdown time. Mm. They had never physically been in the same room together. Mm. And there were moments in the agenda that we just whacked to give time for them to just simply be and to discuss. And I will tell you, as I did my own reflection of that program, yeah, the moments when that team was just simply being and they were together were, I think, really the most beneficial of that time. That's amazing. So it's just a plug to, and again, I so get this because I was the executive that did this. Mm. When I'm going to bring my leadership team together, we're going to be together for three days and we just jam so much content into it. And of course, yes. we'll do the obligatory, let's go to the big dinner one night. Yes. We'll do like a half day escape. But every other time was so chocked full, so mm. chocked full. And so so I really encourage leaders to not do that and to give that time for play. I think that's right. So much that depletes us now. And I'm going to share yeah. two stats that should give us pause. The first is one in four adults in this country will experience a mental illness this year, but only a third of them will get any help for it. So that's kind of like frightening wake up stat number one. Yeah. Stat number two is Microsoft, through their work impact study late last year, found that 50% of all managers, People that are on the front lines that are working with our team members day in and day out are burned out. 50%. 50%. So half of managers, frontline people managing teams are burned out. And then you're going to have a chunk of your employees that are experiencing some form of mental illness that are experiencing a mental illness, some mental yeah. condition yeah. that they're struggling to get help for. So it really reinforces and I love that we're the walking wounded of, of play mm -hmm. because I think about it in terms of how do I refuel and how do I replenish? Yeah. You said something to me really, I don't know if you remember this or not. This was back in those dark moments of the lockdown. We were jamming on something. And you said, oh, I need a different word than self-care. Yes. You were very much on the, what, what do you, I'm like, it's refueling and replenishing. That's yeah. what it is. We yeah. have to refuel. The yeah. other reason why play is important, I want to loop back on that in a moment. Yeah. Is because it benefits our brain. We forget that our brain needs time to warm up. It needs fuel to recharge. It needs opportunities to rest. We still think about our body that way, no. but we don't think about our brain that way. And our brain needs those exact same capabilities as well, yeah. which is why doing something like playing a game without keeping score mm -hmm. is helpful for our brain That's because right. it gives us that opportunity to again, refuel and replenish and recharge. I love that. I love that. And even in small ways, I was doing a leadership team offsite recently and it was a really tense time. There was 
just challenging dynamics at play. And it's no pressure. I got 90 minutes with them to make transformation happen, right? And I, <laughs> no a, a pressure. whole 90 minutes. A whole 90 minutes. Nobody's I'm ever get met after me it. before. They don't know who the hell I am. But I decided to open up by going around the room and asking everybody, what was your favorite toy as a child? And by the time everyone had gone, it was a room of people that liked each other. Because you want to like somebody, you want to find out their most precious, likable essence, ask them what their favorite toy was as a kid. I have yet to feel anything but love for a human being when they answer that question. It's always something delightful. And it's like, you can tell the generations based on what your toy is. It kind of gives us dimensionality to like what humans played with in the 60s or 50s or whatever. And it's another way of just weaving play into our need to get work done because both things can be true at the same time. Absolutely. And you know, what's so interesting is with that question, which I am absolutely going to use. And I also want to know your answer to that question. Well, first, the answer is monopoly because I'm an Enneagram eight. So I just want to take control of everything. So it was, I love monopoly. Were you the one that like played it all the way to the end where there was like a shit ton of hotels and apartments on your properties and you were just taxing? I'm just, I'm I'm building, I'm building it up. I'm building it up. That's what an Enneagram eight does. We have big, expansive visions. And my big, expansive vision was to control the That is. Monopoly board. That, if I had just known that I was an Enneagram eight as a child, it would have all made sense at that point. But when you ask the question, what was your favorite toy as a child? I just lit up without even knowing the answers. I just smiled. I just lit up. I just got a big ass smile on my face when you yes. asked the question. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and whenever there's team dynamics, there's always somebody that's intimidated by somebody else. I don't care what yeah. meeting it is. I don't care where you work. Somebody's scared of somebody in the room. And by asking a question like that, you learn that like, we're all just, there's a great line in a Bob Marley song. Like you got to remember he was just once a baby. That guy you're freaked out about, he was once a baby, right? Once a kid, just like He was once a baby, he's once a little guy. Okay, so Ben, to bring this on home, if you were in a position of leadership Mm -hmm. and you were looking to put an exclamation point on the end Mm -hmm. of the year, And there's this voice inside your head that goes, I done used up all my exclamation points. I ain't got none to give. I'm exhausted. (laughs) What would you say? (laughs) What would I say? You know, I come back to perspective. I mentioned this before. This is the fifth economic shock, if you will, that I've been a part of, which means that we got on the other side of the previous four. and. As leaders, we have a responsibility to help turn down the volume and to help provide a perspective and to bring people back to where we are today. And again, the organizations that I work with have made some very tough, very challenging decisions already this year, and they may make more very tough and challenging decisions at some point later this year. But when they pause and pull up with their teams and get that space that you and I got at the beginning of the call today, they get the perspective that, you know what? We got some good stuff going on here, right? Got some good things going on here. Are there some challenges? Sure. There's things we got to work through. Yes. 
but we've got some good things to work with. And that is what I just encourage leaders to do as we have a responsibility to provide that perspective to our teams. I love that so much. And it conjured up the image. Sorry about the spoiler, but there's in, I don't remember which of the new Star Wars movies it is, but the rebellion is reduced to like literally a handful of people. And General Leia says to Ray, she goes, we have everything we need. We have everything we need. And I think one of my favorite mantras that you gave me during the pandemic was, I am enough and I have enough. And I have enough. That's the one. We are enough and, and, and we have enough. More than enough. Way more than enough. And there's something incredibly grounding about that statement that as leaders, we have to embody that and come back to that. And we have to help our teams experience that as well. Amen, Ben. Amen. Boy, I couldn't have said it better, my friend, as always. Ben, is this the fourth time you've been on my show or fifth? I actually think it's the fifth time. Yeah, I think it's fifth. I think it's You're the, the only time. person in the whole universe of 20 Minutes with Bronwyn that's been on here five times. Five times. And you you're, know, on... you're in the top two guests I've ever had. Wow. Yeah. I can't wow. even remember who the other top wow. one is. Thank you for having me on because one of my big rocks for the year and really what I'm focused on is just giving it away. At this point, I've been so blessed and I've learned and and received so much that to have the opportunity to be a part of your program and to share and to give it away, I'm very, very grateful for. So as always, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Hey, if you haven't already, hit subscribe so you can get my latest podcast episodes delivered hot off the press or share this with someone who could use it. If you're looking to go further on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe and get on that newsletter. You get fresh tips every Monday morning to set you up for the week. And on the last Saturday of the month, you'll get a short email with my favorite things that I'm into. If you're dealing with a tough client or work situation, you need better skills for managing hard conversations, check out my No Enemy Conversation course. It's at noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com and it is self-paced and it is all there for you. Lastly, if your company or organization needs a high-voltage keynote speaker who knows how to melt faces and blow minds virtually or in real life, I am your gal. I have two dozen different fantastic keynote topics and you and I, we can make something killer happen. So shoot me a note and let's do it. That's Bronwyn at bronwyncommunications.com. Take care and shine on. We need your light.